The NBA playoffs are heating up and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Yeah. All right, everybody. Welcome to our, I was going to say post-fight show, but this is more like a post-weekend of fight show. Thank you for joining us, everybody. Yeah. We're jamming here. I am Mike Heck, being joined by Jammin' Jed Mishu, who was uh, boots on the ground in the ATL yesterday at the PFL event. And boy, did a lot happen at that card. The fights were okay, dope. but it was outside of the cage that was made the headlines. Mike, let me just start this by saying I'm so excited because I thought we were getting on here to talk about the UFC. And then I noticed our graphic. We were talking about the whole weekend. That's great because I have about three total things to say from that UFC fight card. And most of them is me just disparaging Alexander Kaylee, the great Alexander Kaylee. So... I love that we're going to get to talk about all the other stuff because way more interesting things happened outside of what we just witnessed. So I, I think I'm going to start with like a general question to kind of set the table for all of this. Then I think we'll sort of recap what just happened at the UFC card. And then we could just fire off a bunch of questions about everything that happened this weekend. But let's start with the general question, Jed, because you were boots on the ground for the PFL card. You were there for the face-off between France Ngannou and John Jones. We had a Bellator card last night that Sergio Pettis looked incredible. Vadim Nemkov dominated Yoel Romero. We had Phil Davis, Corey Anderson have a fight. And then we had Daniel James and Gokan Sarakam have a fight. Some good prelims as well. And then the UFC card this week was, uh, it was, it was pretty good. It felt like I was watching fights for 19 hours, but there were some good moments. The main event was friggin' awesome. And we'll get into that in a moment, but some, some highlights for sure. 
Who won the weekend, Jed? Who won the weekend between the three promotions? Come on. Uh, we all know the answer to this one, and y'all are going to, you know, some people will be mad, uh, and they can just be mad. PFL won the weekend, man. Um, that's just how it goes. Uh, and it wasn't always like that, right? We were talking about this in some of the pre-stuff of BTL that on paper Bellator had the better card, and it did. Like that still played out. I haven't seen all of the Bellator stuff because I was working PFL last night, so I didn't get to watch all the fights live, etc. But they still, I mean, they came away with a good event and fun, good, useful things happened. But the story people will be talking about from this weekend forever is the John Jones Ranson Gone face off. Like that's the story. And credit to PFL, they knew that. Like they're no dummies. There's a reason Maurice Green was fighting out their their champion in the main event of that card. Like they didn't have to book it that way. There's a reason Francis came to this event. They're not idiots. They knew exactly what they were doing, and it paid off for them. They are the talk of this combat sports weekend. Undeniably, they won the weekend, even if it has nothing to do with the fights they put on. I, I would agree with you because I actually posted this question on Twitter yesterday before both fights started. I said, who, which, which card will have the most post-fight buzz or post-event buzz? Will it be the Bellator card or the PFL card? And most people were just like, oh, this is a stupid question. It's going to be Bellator by far. I'm like, are you sure about that? John Jones and France in the same building? Like, they're going to take advantage of this. And I think you're right. I think as far as headlines go and things we're going to be talking about this week, it's PFL by a mile. By Let's take literally that out of, any yeah. by any metric other than the angry people in the comments who uh, sniff their own farts because they are real hardcore fans, PFL won the like by literally any actual tangible metric other than their fights weren't as good. I'm not here to say they had the worst of the three fights, easily the worst of the three fight cards That's by true. every metric, social uh interaction anything you want they will come away by far the biggest winners this weekend for something that had nothing to do with their fights realistically but that's how promotion works like they they won the weekend man it just be mad about all you want guys that, that just is what it is so headliney wise pfl ufc bellator fight card wise fair to say ufc Ooh. Up you think UFC one? beat you think UFC beat Bellator headlining wise? I'm not sure that that's true. I don't know. I mean, look, we're we're early on here, but, but did a lot come out of the Bellator card headlining wise? Well, I will say that UFC actually, you're probably right, Mike, because the UFC had so much weird shit happen tonight. That yes, it's probably going to get more traction as a result of it, as opposed to. Uh, the hardcore fans who would be like, wow, it's pretty dope what Sergio Pettis did. That was incredible. Uh, and then forget about Bellator immediately. So, yeah, I take it back. You're right. PFL, UFC, Bellator. Fight-wise, I, again, I haven't seen the full Bellator card, so I, you know, I'm a little bit in the dark here. Uh, I, Based on the stuff I saw, I'm going to say PFL just because the Pettis... Pettis Pitbull just doing a lot of heavy lifting there. But if you argued with me that the totality of the UFC card's better, I can't I can't say you're wrong. But maybe PFL's like eight rungs down the ladder as far as actual fight-wise. Well, it's an interesting topic. I'm sure we'll talk more about this. But let's talk about this UFC card. Let's talk about the main event because 
Jared Cannonier and Marvin Vittori beat the hell out of each other. This is a war. I don't think a lot of people are expecting this to be a war. If you listen to the People's Pre-Fight Show, I said that this is going to be the fight of the night, that this would end up being a war. And Vittori hurts Jared Cannonier early. Looks like he might get him out of there, but Cannonier recovers. Second round, Cannonier had Vittori as hurt as we have ever seen him inside the octagon. And he just kept pouring it on. And Vittori is that dude is just so tough, man. It's like impossible to get him out of there. He was just battered and bloodied. He was dropped. He was hurt. And the dude just kept coming forward. He is officially a man who you cannot finish. It, it, it is maybe, maybe that durability is starting to wither after this performance, but holy crap, Jed, the toughest of Martin Vittori we knew was there, but Jared Cannonier record-breaking performance shattered the significant strike record for a middleweight fight by a lot. I think it was 186 heading into the fight and Cannonier hit landed 249 significant strikes and Marvin Vittori wore every single one of those strikes. What's your biggest takeaway from this fight? How friggin' good did Jared Cannonier look tonight? I think the biggest takeaway has got to be Jared Cannonier, right? Because look, I'm, I'm a straight shooter, Mike. I'm going to tell you when I'm wrong about some shit. And uh, I couldn't have been more wrong about this main event. Like, just every facet of it, I was dead wrong on how this fight would look. I mean, Marvin Vittori comes out and almost gets, like, hurts him in the first round, which I would have bet my house would not be a thing. And I, like, very briefly was like, oh, my God, what the hell is going on here? And then for the remaining 20 minutes of that fight, Jared Cannonier is the one who is constantly advancing, who is just sort of willingly engaging in, in rough roughhouse tactics at certain points in time. Like, don't get me wrong, doing a ton of really excellent technical stuff, cutting angles, slipping to his sides and getting his shots in. But there was also just a lot of it where Jared Kennedy was simply like, I don't really care if you hit me. I'm going to be the one to dictate and take this space. And Marvin Vittori backed up, and that was not the dynamic I pictured because we've seen Jared Cannonier be overly passive and look for counter shots. And Marvin Vittori's whole thing is he is going to get in your face and whip kicks at you and just pressure, pressure, pressure. Uh, I thought it was brilliant game planning uh, as the fight went on from uh, from Cannonier. I thought the commentary team, while largely bad for a lot of the night, uh, which we can talk about later, had some pretty keen insights, at least from what I saw in that fight. Uh, Cannoneer came in with the idea of going southpaw and then sort of just gave up on it because it was pretty bad. And when he made the adjustment, uh, he looked sensational. It's it's the best Jared Cannoneer has ever looked at 39 years old. Um, at a stage of his career where he could just be kind of fading away. You know, he had his shot at the title. You'll often see dudes who come up short. They're on the back nine, just kind of start falling off. And he is absolutely getting better. And I'm not here to say that I care to see him rematch Israel Adesanya, but he's not far off from from deserving that opportunity. So great for Jared Kennedy. Got to be the biggest takeaway. Yeah, the UFC UFC news account said uh, they put out an official number: 241 significant strikes landed by Jared Kennedy. So that's, that's still pretty. That's still pretty damn impressive. So I, I thought Jared's post fight interview. I was like, he's going to sit there and call for a title shot. But I actually think he veered in the right direction because he said, I want the damn title. That's what we're here to do, right? And I'm like, all right, you can try to keep going, but you're not going to get it. I mean, Israel Adesanya's only reaction to the fight was bro, which it was probably like a good bro. Like that was fun friggin' fight to watch. But the way Cannonier approached it, I thought he did a good job. He said, look, something happens. I know they're going to try to book something for, for Izzy later on. Didn't mention Izzy by name. 
But if something happens, he knows there's a log jam at 185. He knows that Drickus Duplessis and Robert Whitaker are going to fight. And the chances of one of those guys, whoever comes out of it, turning around and fighting Izzy two months later might be tough. Jared said, look, if you need a guy, something happens, I'm ready to go. Give me a call. I'll be there. I thought he approached this pretty well. Unlikely he gets a title shot, but the way he approached it, I think it was the right way to go. Yeah, uh, I have no issues with it. It's it's just a tough tough needle to thread because there's not an obvious person for him to call out here, really, because you know that the Rob DDP fight is ostensibly a number one contender's bout, um, and there are no real guys above him other than that. I mean, Vittori was, but he just beat Vittori, so I think that he's now the top-ranked middleweight according to the UFC other than that, um, except for, I guess, Alex Pereira. They probably still have him ranked but he's a 205er now. So there's not a, a logical opponent. And he just sort of stayed at the plane, like you said. So no issues with the call out. Um, and I, I think it makes sense, at least in his mind. I don't think he's going to get any of the things he asked for. But I do think that that's probably the sort of right way to approach it. Yeah, I agree. Canada just looks so good. Everything he land, everything he threw landed. The footwork was unbelievable. Like he had Vittori kind of... Vittori's usually just march forward and go, and he had Vittori guessing a lot. Like, was he going to shoot a takedown? I, I thought, even though AK is going to hate this, Jared Kanier mixed the martial arts very well, but just battered Marvin Vittori. What a great performance. I, I would assume that this is going to be the fight of the night. We are waiting for the bonuses to come out. I'm sure Manuel Torres is going to get a bonus for that performance. The other one, we had some other finishes that's kind of up in the air, so we'll see. And we'll uh, we'll go from there. Jed, you mentioned the commentary. We'll get to Armin Sarukian in a minute, but you were not a fan of the commentary throughout most of this card. Explain why. Because it, it was awful, man. Like Dominic Cruz is a really bad commentator, and there are going to be some people who are really upset with me about that. And I'm sorry, it's just the truth. Dominic Cruz is a very good analyst. He needs to be sitting on the desk. But the role of a commentator is not to sit there and make snide shit-talking quips about the referee while something is going down or state unequivocally things that are wrong or at least extremely up for negotiation. Like that's, that's my job. That's a talking head at a desk analyst booth who can just sort of say shit and it's fine because you're just getting off takes. He's doing that while we're trying to figure out what the hell is going to happen in a real fight. And that's just as Bush league. Like it's not the same role. And it, it sort of derails things, and then you you get the rest of the commentary team being like, yeah, I don't know, man, that's a slam. And I'm not here to tell you that the, the Hernandez-Bondar um, uh, thing, I cannot say unequivocally that that slam isn't what knocked him out. I also can't say unequivocally that it wasn't a headbutt. And Dominic Cruz is just like, well, that's it. You know, it's, it's nonsense. You got to take it. It's like you... You can't just say that and then be mad at the ref when you have no real understanding or knowledge of it. Like, yes, it's a thing that happens, but it also can happen because his head hit him, which is illegal. And like he just he was on one tonight saying some shit out there and it was really distracting to watch the fights like it's just that that's analyst boost stuff. Just put him in, put him at the desk and he can, he can pop off for every once. And then it works a lot better as opposed to him shit talking Keith Peterson in the middle of a fight, whether Keith Peterson deserved it or not. That's still just not something you do. 
Yeah, I think Cruz was, was a little out of line. I, I agree with you. I think Cruz would be tremendous at the desk. He would be wonderful like, at the desk. He's literally perfect for it. And my issue, I, I've not liked Cruz for a while because I've always just thought he's a better analyst than a, than a commentator. Because in the commentary booth, he is largely given things entirely like entirely subjectively entirely from his point of view of you used to see it certainly early on where he would just be like this fighter's doing something dumb because they are not fighting the way i would fight he's gotten a little bit better about that but it's just stuff that is just better as an analyst be like hey man like we can go to him afterwards while we're in the commercial break and be like Dom, talk us through what you think of that Hernandez. Well, I think that's a slam. You see it in wrestling rooms all the time. Sometimes the heads are going to clash, but you can't take it away. And that's just a much better viewing experience than him being like, this is nonsense. That guy needs to be fired. Refs suck. <laughs> it's like that. That's like essentially what he was saying for half of the things happening tonight. And it's, it's. A lot of people like it because a lot of people are like, yeah, her. but it's just not like that's not his should not be what he is doing ringside. It's just an entirely different role. Yeah, it was uh, it was a very weird card at, at certain times. And the commentary was a part of that. If we're being honest, let's go to Armin Sarukian, Jed, because he was by far the biggest favorite on this card. I think he closed at a minus 1050, close to a minus 1100, depending on which book you were looking at. Great first round, classic Armin first round where he just takes you down, suffocates you, wears you out a little bit. And then usually in round two, that's when he's like, all right, I got you withered. I'm going to come in here and explode and try to get you out of there. He tried. He definitely tried. Joaquin Silva, just his chin held up a lot better than a lot of people thought it would. And he cracked Armin Sarukian. He had Sarukian on wobbly legs. He was doing the stanky leg. And it looked like Armin Sarukian was in big trouble, but he recovered, landed a takedown, ended the round on top. We go into round three. It's 1919. Judges' scorecards all saw it the same way. And Sarukian was just like, I'm done with this. Like, I'm done playing around. Took him down, gets back up, slams him on his head, and then just lands like a barrage of elbows, gets in full mount, and just starts wailing on him. Keith Peterson probably could have stopped that fight 15 seconds earlier. But Sarukian wanted to go in there and get a finish. He did it, had a scary moment, overcame it, got it done. How do you grade his performance? Look, you can't give him an A, right, because of the, the second round. And you could dock him even tactically for, like, engaging in that sort of battle. But it's I'm mean, going to give him, like, a, a B plus and one that, like, spiritually I want to call an A. Because, yes, the bad thing happened. And he almost, like, almost is close maybe – Maybe he wasn't as close as it appeared, but like he had a spot of bother, but you could take a lot of really good things from that from him. Like great learning experience. We got to see that Armin Sarukian is not a wilting Lily. Like he, he got hit, like he got clipped. You can see his eyes sort of roll off and he doesn't really know where he's at, but he responded really well. I mean, he immediately looked for a safe zone, got to it, rode out the round and then came out in that third round and was like, all right, well, no more games time to, time to to do the thing so i think you can take a lot of positives from it uh you know ultimately you would rather that not happen but it went about as smooth as a speed bump can go so b plus and i still think if he's not the lightweight champion and within four years i will be astonished yeah i mean i don't need to talk about my thoughts on armin surikin as a fighter and his future at all um, I, I've said it enough. He's he's gonna win the belt at some point. Um, 
these are the types of fights he's just going to grow from. There's no doubt about it. Uh, he went in there and got the job done. Called out Benil Dariush, kind of, but said that ben- he had heard oh, heard that Benil isn't going to be ready to fight till December. And he's like, I can't wait that long. And then he turns his att- attention to your favorite fighter, Michael Chandler, and says, look, man, this fight with Connor ain't happening. It's not going to happen. So you're going to fight somebody else. So you're going to have to fight me and I'm going to kill you. Like that's pretty much word for word. We said, uh, I'm going to kill him if I fight him. So did you like the direction here? Because I mean, I, he's going to have a hard time. He's just going to have a tough time finding fights. A lot of these lightweights are already booked up. They already have things going on. looks like Fazeev and Gamrod are kind of circling each other right now. Poirier and Gaethje are fighting in July. They're going to, just beat the shit out of each other. So it's going to be a while before one of those guys come back. And then Makachev's maybe probably fighting Oliveira. It's getting a ranked guy or getting a top five guy. It's going to be very difficult. Does he want to wait till December and fight Dariush? Or was was this the right way to go? Dariush in December. I can't wait that long. But Chandler, you ain't fighting Connor. So I'm going to get in there and kill you. No, not the right way to go. Uh, I know that he wants to fight. I get it. It's just not it's not realistic for where he's at in his career right now. And that sucks, but his two options are if he, if he wants to fight that much, he's got to fight the uh, Joaquim Silva's. He is going to simply have to take fights against people who are willing to fight him. Cause it's going to be a small group of fighters in general. And if he wants to fight on those timelines for as good as we think he is, as much potential as he is, he is one of the least stars in the division at this moment. He does not get to dictate these things. He is on Michael Chandler's time if he wants to fight Michael Chandler. He's probably on Benil Dariush's time if he wants to fight Benil Dariush. And realistically for him, he's not getting Chandler. I Look, I think it is extremely possible that Michael Chandler does not fight Conor McGregor. What with the allegations, what with Conor McGregor just being Conor McGregor and still no set timeline on his actual return. I think that is very much possible. But Michael Chandler is going to hold out the dream that he is fighting Conor McGregor until it is pried from his cold, dead hands. So Michael Chandler, I don't give him a lot of credit. He's not a total moron. And it would take a total moron to throw away a potential Conor McGregor fight to fight Armand Sarukian. I cannot think of a worse business decision that would have been made in the history of this sport than Michael Chandler having the Conor McGregor fight and being like, nah, I'm good. Armand, let's go. That would be the dumbest thing of all time. I think the best bet Armand had is Benil Darius. Benny coming off the loss. He is ranked above him. That's the fight for him if he wants to get a fight. I'm not sure he can get it, but he should have gone full steam ahead saying, hey, you want to wait till December? Okay, I'll wait too. But just so you know, Benny, I'm still 26. The longer you wait, the better I'm going to be. You might want to make this happen right now. Because otherwise, he's going to have to fight back. They're just going to make him fight somebody back if he wants to fight on that timeline because there's nobody who's going to... The Dustin Poirier, Justin, they're not going to be like, yeah, I want to fight Armin in September. It's just not going to happen. It's unrealistic. So he should have gone all in on Benny because that's the only one that maybe could happen for him. Yeah. I mean, spoiler, that's going to be my answer to the next one pick. It's got to be Benil Dariush, no doubt about it. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. Don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. 
and new customers to DraftKings can bet five bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge? That takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. We do have bonuses finally. Uh, fight of the night, no surprise. Vittori versus Cannoneer. Uh, performance of the night. Manuel Torres, no surprise there. And uh, Alessandro Costa gets himself a bonus for his finish of Jimmy Flick. Some nasty ground and pound. Gets it done. So nice three-check night Wait, what, for Costa. What what were they other than Costa? I missed the first two. Um, Fighting night was the main event. Yeah, and Manuel, Manuel Torres was definitely getting a bonus after that freaking elbow yeah, from yeah. hell. Makes, makes, makes sense. Okay. Yep. Uh, Pat Sabatini had a nice performance. We got a 15-minute a arm Petrosian fight that he won against Christian Leroy Duncan. I think that that was a pretty solid performance. Gets the win. Nicholas Dalby beats Muslim Salikov. We mentioned Alessandro Costa. Kyung Ho Kang, Mr. Perfect getting it done. Submitting Christian Quinones in the first round. The Christian parlay uh, just didn't work Both out for you. Both legs lost, but it's yeah. okay. The double D parlay at, at PFL hit, so we're golden. Well, wonderful. Carlos Hernandez, Dennis Bondar, we talked about that. Big slam, nasty elbows. Jaron Vallel just let poor Dennis Bondar almost die in there. I mean, that was just brutal. Um, called the tech. They went to the cards. It was a technical decision win for Carlos Hernandez. Uh, Teresa Bleda gets a win. Ronnie Lawrence, Daniel Argetta ends in a no contest because <laughs> there's a rear naked choke and Ronnie Lawrence doesn't actually tap. And... Keith Peterson stopped the fight. They did the right thing, went to the replay. It is a no contest. Can't restart it. It's not in the rules. That's what you got to do. And that was just a weird way to end it. And then Modestus Bukowskis, 2-0 on the comeback trail. A lot of people didn't agree with that decision against Zach Pauga, but 
Modestus gets it done. I don't think it was an egregious. 30-27 is a pretty awful scorecard, but you can make a case that Modestus won the first and third rounds, I guess. So there you go. That's UFC Vegas 75 right there. Yeah. Uh, you've succinctly nailed it. That was a fight We've card. done it. All right. So Jose is the producer extraordinaire. Casey is off doing other things, probably improving his his amateur record to 2-0 somewhere that we just don't know about. So there he is. Look at Jose Young's. So fire up those questions. They could be about the, the UFC card. They could be about Bellator. They could be about PFL. Whatever you want. Let's go. Let's see. Hopefully everyone can hear me because the last sure time can. I did this, the people couldn't. Um. All right. There were. All right. Let's start. Let's talk with this because you guys talked about the main event and everything. Already. The refs are off today. Jaron Vallel is not a good referee anyways. Keith Peterson's hit or miss. And there were there were a few questions about the referee or a few comments about the referees and everything like this, but this was the first one that popped up, so yeah, given it. Jaron Vallel is not a good ref, I agree. I don't really think Keith Peterson is either. Uh, I will defend both of them slightly. Uh, I'm not sure that Jaron Vallel did anything wrong other than allow um, the man to eat a thousand elbows after he was unconscious. I'm not honestly sure that that shouldn't have been a tech decision. I can see an argument either either side. Uh, probably, like, this isn't really how this should work, but I'm happier with it being a tech decision just because it ultimately means nobody was really harmed in this because Hernandez still wins the tech decision. Uh, whereas like there is a world where if that is uh, an illegal action that then, you know, Bondar gets kind of screwed there, but that's it's mincing, splitting hairs. Uh, look, Keith Peterson effed up in a bad and stupid way. I'm glad that he didn't hold to it. You can see people be real dumb and, you know, double down on their idiocy and yeah, no excusing his actions, but credit to them for being like, hey, we messed up. We can't fix it, but this is the best we can do and we can rebook this. And sometimes it happens, man. They're putting on a thousand fights a year. There are going to be some slip ups here and there. It's that's just the law of numbers. Bondar looked really bad tonight. Yeah, there's a there's a lot of comments about his performance. Oh, he was awful. Yeah, he was <laughs> this is awful. All so right. yeah, in our Slack channel, I, I had made a comment about I'm like, hey, Bond. I'll, I'll say it this way: Bondar not looking good, hasn't looked good, and then like two seconds later, that's when the finish happened, and some expletives came out, and it was fun. Uh, Jed's back from the PFL tour. Yes, he is. Mm-hmm. I'm even wearing a PFL shirt right now. Repping my. I mean, boys. two different weight classes, but Cannonier may beat Nemkov. Well, but I probably not, but I it wouldn't be impossible. Well, that's a big question. You got uh, the idea, could Bell- Yeah, could Bellator make us believe a trilogy between Vadim and Corey? Yeah, you think they're gonna go? They're gonna have to do that. Like, what else is there? Yeah, I mean, they're gonna have to because there aren't the only fights, the sure. only thing. Um, if any of you guys watched, um, well, I know Jed has it bookmarked for. Uh, primetime viewing when he's done with the show uh, Vadim Nemkov's post-fight scrum that's about seven minutes long uh, he said that he oh was, yes he was toying with the idea of going to heavyweight because he's tired of facing the same people over and over again 
I mean, why not? Yeah. Brian Bader did it. Because <laughs> his, his reasoning was, he goes, all right, I fight Corey Anderson, and he wins, and then Phil Davis is probably going to beat the guy that he fights next, and then the next guy up is going to be Phil Davis. And I beat him twice. So he's like, who do I fight? Like, let's go to let's go to heavyweight. So that's about it. And I think, yeah, that's that's right. I think Grant Neal is the number four I ranked know. light heavyweight he sure, right now. He sure is. Alex Polizzi is number five. And he lost oh. last night. Yeah. Polizzi so lost last night. And uh, look, it, uh, uh, we Demkoff's already got a knockout win over Ryan Bader. So that's got some I mean, story yeah. there. Look, what did that win? Well, so this is just one of the primary issues with Bellator as a promotion is that they have a very small roster of the same like 20 dudes. Yeah. And so sometimes that can be fun because you ultimately over the course of a couple of years, you get all of the fights. They will all you're never going to have the oh, those two somehow never fought like they're all going to fight, but you're going to get it like eight times. However, if PFL buys them. True. Rob Wilkins, Rob Wilkinson, you know coming off coming I mean, off this alleged juice using <laughs> i don't know when he gets to come back but i mean that's look, a, sign me up for rob wilkinson gear or no gear versus vadim nimkov i mean that's always kind of been the knock with bellator right because like how many times did like pat curran fight like what was it daniel strauss didn't they fight like i believe a, they have, i believe they fought four times yeah that's always been the problem with like because well yeah. i guess that was an issue especially back when they do the seasons like the tournaments because the same guys would always win or face off in the thing but i digress um yeah if you have like 20 fighters but like five of them are just clearly better than the other 15 those five are just gonna fight each other a bunch yeah so this the, is, the, the, the heavy the heavier weight classes they're they're hurting they're not really hurting in a lot of other divisions like they got guys coming up like middleweight's really pretty solid 170's pretty solid 55's great 45's great yeah. 35's great weight's great yeah Hopefully flyweight can build up, but yeah, they gotta they gotta get some bodies at two hundred five and, and heavyweight. Rob, I'll, <laughs> I'll bring up this because there's a lot of comments about what what's next for Jared. What did that win do for Jared's title hopes? I mean, I'm sure you agree with this, Jed. I'm sure Jared is whoever Izzy ends up fighting. Jared Kennedy is one thousand percent rooting for that person. And, Unless it's maybe Rob Whitaker, because we saw that fight, but it was still like a fun fight, and Cannonier gave. He broke Whitaker his like hand in the first kick. Yeah, so there's something there. But if like DDP somehow beats Israel Adesanya, I'm sure Jared Cannonier will will be right there. So, like, what does this win do? Like, wh who does he fight next? You know, like, wh where does he go? This is the problem with like, he should be fight like Robert Whitaker should be fighting Paulo Costa. And Jared Cannonier should be fighting someone like I don't know, like Kelvin. Like he already beat Kelvin Gastelum. Shoot, I, I I have the answer, but you can continue. I have the correct answer, and I thought about this earlier. What's the I answer? Thought, I actually thought about the stakes for this fight. What's the answer? The stakes are, and Jared Cannonier probably ain't gonna like this too much. But if he wants to get a title shot, this is the fight he's gonna have to take, and he's gonna have to win. He's gonna you be fighting it. Hamzat Shemaev and Abu Dhabi. Yep, that's the fight. That's the answer. I think that I think these two were fighting for the Hamzat fight. I didn't think about it in those terms, but when I was like, yeah, I think, I think this helped him in general. Like, well, one is better than losing. There is a world where he slots in to face Izzy in Australia. I wouldn't say it's high likelihood, but the other timelines are tough. Like they're tougher cells. You're either going to have to have 
DDP or Bobby Knuckles turning around pretty quickly to fight Izzy in Australia and certainly coming off a fight like there's a world where the winner of that fight is busted up and can't do it so he has like five five percent chance to maybe slot into that and outside of it this just he fights Hamza for a title shot and that's you know good or bad depending on how good Hamzat is at middleweight I guess we'll find out Jose and Jed you can chime in on this after as well what are the chances that like they're not going to make any decisions till after 290 right let's just say DDP and Whitaker go in there and they just beat the brakes off of each other and like Sean Strickland loses to Avis Magomedov <laughs> or it's like not a compelling win or anything like that and there's just nobody else like Jared Cannonier is like the only guy that could do it what are the chances that the UFC will just pivot and say, you know what? Let's just do Izzy versus Jamal Hill and move him. Let's, let's have him fight for the 205-pound title. Because right now, Jamal Hill doesn't have anybody to fight. There's guys there. We have to wait for Jan Blachowicz and Alex Pereira to fight. We don't know what the hell is going on with Yuri Brahashka. Jamal Hill has not fought since he won the belt. I mean, it's not like it's been two years or anything like that, but he won the belt in January. People want to see him fight. They want to see if they can build on the momentum of this win. Is there a chance they pivot in that direction if Cannonier is like the lone dude left? Yeah, I'm sure they could. Um, especially, I think the UFC would salivate at Izzy Alex three at light heavyweight. Like that would be the only like again, like just the two baddest dudes fighting in another weight class. But I mean, UFC 291 is not even that far away. Like it's what a month and a half away. So I, I wouldn't mind winning. Yeah. Because, yeah. like, Jared, like, Jamal Hill's already done an interview. I, I It was either with Helen Yee or the Schmo, uh, maybe both of them, where he said that Alex versus Jan is number one contender. He's like, I'm going to fight the winner of that. When when that happens, I don't know, because I would imagine Islam's going to be the main event in Abu Dhabi. Um, they're not going to put the light heavyweight title above him. Uh, I guess it could be New York, though, if the welterweight title's – you know, Colby has fought in New York a bunch. The welterweight title could be there. Um, we could be waiting until December to see Jamal Hill fight, which is annoying because he won the title in January. But yeah. also, let's not forget, Tim Simpson was just on the MMA Hour and said, Yuri's good to go. <laughs> like, that was like, I don't think that was talked about enough. He just kind of, like, breezed over it. And I was like, hey, timeout. <laughs> like, the light, the best light heavyweight in the world is ready to go. Why is he not fighting? What are we doing? Yeah. Like, what are we doing here? Let's put this fight on the books. Let's do it. Yes. 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 Put that in Sydney for crying out loud. Yes. You think even AK would admit Marvin has that dog? <laughs> That's a great question. <laughs> I think he has to now. Hold on. All right. Hold question for easy. question for Jed because you were in attendance. This gives PFL some some shine. Ooh, oh. is Pacheco the best women's fighter 135 yeah. plus? Yeah, right I don't now? think that's even con I don't even think that's a contest. With Amanda yeah. retired? With, with, with Amanda retired, I don't think that's really credibly up for debate. Better than Cyborg? Uh, yeah, I think Cyborg's fault. Like Cyborg's been, been doing this for 20 years. She's older. I'd pick Pacheco to win it, but that's a like that's that's the fight, right? You know? Like that fight would be dope but i mean pacheco's awesome i've now seen her fight like two or three times in person and every time it's she gets better you know, I, she gets better every time and every time she has that exact same like 
Amanda, like prime peak Amanda aura mm-hmm. of just like, I am gonna ether this woman across the cage from me, <laughs> and then she does it like. Librock genuinely should not have been in the general vicinity of that cage. <laughs> I'll tell you with the sheer disdain. That I'll tell you what. So like that kicked. when I when I do a lot of the. Is she, is, she, is she better than Kayla Harrison? I know she won, but Kayla has a lot of wins over her. I think they're very evenly matched. Yeah. Because yeah, yeah. Pacheco's just improved a lot. I want to oh, see you what you know Harrison looks when she gets better because you get generally get better from losses. Uh, I think that, that that matchup at this point is pretty close to 50-50. Still probably favor Kayla maybe, but it's pretty close. Yep, and the next time she fights, she better be in the main event. Because that was silly. Well, I mean, no, I get it at, she, at the end of it. I was saying, she would have been in the main event, yeah. but PFL was setting the face-off up. Like, that was that yeah, was their yeah, whole yeah. goal today. All right, Bellator, nope. more Bellator questions. How do you see Patchy Mix versus Sergio Pettis going? Fight's gonna be Jed, this think? fight's going to rule. Yeah, fight's going to be oh awesome, God. man. Uh, so for as wrong as I was about the UFC main event, I was dead on for Pettis Pitbull like this was exactly what I thought would happen because it's really tough to drop down weight classes particularly when you're getting older and it's your first fight there like no disrespect to Patricio Pitbull Jose Aldo is a better fighter than him historically and his first fight cutting to Bantamweight was his worst performance at Bantamweight because it's a whole new weight class you have to get used to a whole new set of things going on and in general, when you go weight classes, like go down weight classes, they're just a lot faster. And you're used to, if you're the kind of fighter who could drop weight, you're used to having a speed advantage that is pretty meaningful. And I think we saw that. I thought a lot of Pettis, like Pettis did a ton of great things, but like at a real baseline level, he was way faster than Pitbull. And Pitbull didn't seem to have the power to like really, really hurt him. And it was just a really bad recipe for him. So. That was, I think, the best Sergio Pettis has ever looked. I'm still going to pick Patchy Mix because I think there's a like very credible world where Patchy Mix is just the best bantamweight alive. But I'm so excited to see what that fight looks like. Mix minus 400? No way. It's not going to be minus 400. No, it's not going to be the not line. No way. No chance. I thought Sergio. I bet Mix is the favorite. I would agree. Like minus 150, maybe. A little higher, yeah, maybe? That's or a little low. Yeah, uh, that's 150, right about right. 150 feels about right. Staying on the Bellator train. Bellator May was not technical. Did you see Romero? <laughs> I mean, he was technically in there. He was Romero. He was technically Romero. That's how Romero God, literally was. danced inside the inside the cage. I loved it. <laughs> and, he had his, and he had his best he's round the, in the third round. He's the fucking best, guys. <laughs> I don't... No one is ever going to appreciate this man enough because he's not the best middleweight or light heavyweight in the world, and there was only like a very brief window where he probably was that. Oh, perfect, perfect segue. That's easy. Joel Romero, I have no idea what's next for him. I don't care. I just want us to stand and appreciate that nobody in the history of combat sports other than uh, – um, Fuck, why can't I think of the dude who beat him in the Olympic Games? Because, um, oh, um, fuck, I'll think of it in a minute. Has made him look like an idiot. 
everybody you can beat Yoel Romero and a lot of people have done it in recent years you always look awful doing it and it it makes me so happy because this man is such an enigma <laughs> that the best fighters in the world can't figure out at one point in time like after the Izzy loss if you went and looked at Izzy's stats pre and post <laughs> the Yoel fight it's like here are all these incredible stats about number of strikes and his percentages and then there's Yoel where he landed like 20% of his strikes and threw like third, like half the volume and then it's just back to being elite you can't look good against this man it's an incredible skill that no one appreciates as much as I do I think what's next for Yoel Romero was one of the questions uh, yes. it's Gegard Mustasi at 205 yeah. that's the fight I'm not sure loser leaves town yeah, I, 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 Musasi maybe has one, maybe two left. That fight is going to be probably. the worst fight we've ever yeah. seen. <laughs> I haven't been impressed with Gegard Musasi in years. Like I was in that, like when he hopped over to Bellator, I was, I was frustrated because we didn't get. Like I feel like we were already on the the back nine of his career maybe back whatever I, I freaking hate golf so much so i don't know terminology but you know how dare you, back I, you we're pat it. the the set the set of things stretch had already passed for gegard musasi's <laughs> career we already so we already heard sweet caroline um and i was like well there are fights i would wa rather see in the ufc before he retires um yeah and then now we're seeing him lose to you know you know Anyway, I've never I've never been overly impressed by Gegard Mousasi last few years. Anyway, moving on. That fight is going to be a 15-minute staring contest. <laughs> it's but it's going to be it. No, actually, it'll be – dude, that is, is going to be a headliner. So it'll be I mean, yeah, minutes. it's going to be great, but it's going to be awful. <laughs> but we third-round Yoel Romero could get the job dude, done. Dude, Oh, man, so, hold on. I'm going to come back. I'm going to come back to this question. That I just posted, but there's for, for some reason this scenario has been brought up a lot in the chat while we're talking about this. Ooh, what about Yoel versus Anderson Silva in Japan? Both fighters will have their last fight there. Now, maybe, I mean, Yoel's under contract, so maybe they could do it on a Bellator versus Ryzen type thing, perhaps. That's not a bad idea. Sure. I support it. <laughs> I think it'd be fine. Like I just, I think that fight will also any Yoel fight. I'm going to turn up for because I'm charmed by his idiosyncratic way of fist fighting. <laughs> but it's gonna, it's gonna be a bad hang. Him versus Anderson is going to be 15 to 25 minutes of them just looking at each other and dancing. <laughs> like that's how that fight will be. But I'll watch it because it will be charming in the worst, stupidest way. It's charming. All right, I'll take a couple more. There's a lot of things that need to be written out. Apparently, Jared Kennear said at the press also, conference that he's, he's down. That's who beat him. Uh, he is down. Yeah, Jared Kennear seems to be down for the Hamza Shemaev fight. So, let's go. Easy. Book it. We should announce this by Tuesday. Yeah. He, he should have called them out. Now, like, I didn't think of that. Well, whoever said it first was a genius. Uh, but... If he had called that out, that fight would just be made immediately, and it's the fight that makes the most sense by far. Yep. Uh, after that main event, I'm convinced you could shoot Marvin Vittori in the face and he'd keep marching forward. Oh, yeah. That's his thing. I, is, was, this, was this news to people? Like, <laughs> I had... 
I would have been the most shocked if Jared Cannonier had stopped him. And, like, at points he looked somewhat close. But Marvin Vittori, we talked about it in, like, the Slack. If it's going to go, and when it goes, it's going to be a really bad fall for Marvin Vittori, as all fighters who have legendary chins, things get bad on the downslope. But, I mean, this dude has an all-timer of a chin, just one of the most insanely durable guys who's ever stepped in the octagon. Uh, Biva, I was surprised the corner didn't stop that Vittori fight. He demonstrated heart, but those kind of prolonged beatings just shortened careers. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't really happen. It, it, again, it's the wind, the wind show, all that stuff. And I don't even. Vittori they shouldn't have stopped it. I agree. I'm. I think I'm very fun. aggressive on the like corners need to throw in the towel more. I don't think they should have stopped that one. Like. He, I mean, he did win the fourth round on one judge's scorecard, and it's not yeah. like it, it's not an awful score. It's probably not a good one, but like he, if if rounds two, three, and five had happened back to back, then I would have said, yeah, you should probably stop this fighting if those were the first three rounds. But he kept showing stuff in there, like he won round one, round four, round like he just looked better at various points. So I don't think they should have stopped the fight. I agree. All right, one more question. Outside of Bellator versus Ryzen 2, will the two-month break hurt Bellator? They are back for 298 on August 11th with <laughs> Logan Storley versus Brennan Ward. Yes, that is happening in South Dakota. It's tough. Well, one, it's, it's a weird thing to say other than the Bellator v. Ryzen, like, that's a marquee event for them. <laughs> so it's not really a two-month break. They're coming back in five weeks or whatever with that. But the bigger issue is less the time off and more that when they do return, not with a Ryzen card, it's with Logan Storley versus Brendan Ward. That's a much bigger problem. In South Dakota? Right? Is, is uh, Yeah. Sure. Uh, sure. I don't know. Honestly, I have an idea. Logan, Logan gets the hometown, gets the home rub. Oh. This is another. Do you think that Bellator. rub's gonna be a lot? Is he gonna be like Stepe, <laughs> Cleveland? Or like yeah, the... I mean, look, this is another problem with Bellator: the matchmaking. Brennan yes. Ward, coming off that win over Saba Hamasi, that is a guy that should be pushed to the moon, and not you do not throw this man into a fight with Logan Storley. You don't do it. Let's just keep getting trot this dude out there. And like get wins, and if he just gets a top five guy and like with a serviceable style that can make Brennan Ward shine, and he gets a win, what a story it would be if he goes and fights for the title. Like he's gonna lose, probably gonna lose to Yaroslav Amosov, but at least he gets to the title. If he loses to Logan Storley, like he's back to square one, and it's just so silly. Like why this fight should not be happening. This is big tuna all over again. First of all, oh my god, don't even get me started with big tuna booking. Good lord, it's a classic <sighs> belly flop, but that's okay. That's that's what we love about him. Yep, one more comment because yeah, this has go. nothing to do with fighting. This is okay. this is a learning lesson on proper use of grammar <laughs> for everyone in the comment section because the lack of grammar drastically changes a sentence. Jed, please shave my brother. (laughs) 
Commas are important. Commas, Commas are, are so important. That's pretty funny. Anywho, that's about it. Yeah, I think I think we're good. Now um, we're getting questions about slap fighting, so that usually means it's time yeah. to go. Hit the fucking <laughs> I, music. Honestly, Do I, I think we should appreciate slap fighting a little bit more as a great demarcator of when we're done with shows. Oh, slap fighting, now we're done. We yep, didn't have that's that. That's automatic. <laughs> automatic hitting of the music uh thank you all hope you guys enjoyed all the mixed martial arts action of course very importantly this doesn't have to do with fighting either but happy father's day to all the dads out there it's a big day all the dads out there doing the damn thing enjoy the day play some golf hang out with the kids cook on the grill whatever you whatever you whatever makes you happy Go ahead watch and the us open baby Roll what are you gonna kids. what are you what are your kids gonna do for for you on Father's Day or your child, Mike. We played in a golf tournament today. It was a lot of fun. We did a father-son golf tournament. We teamed up with another fa- father-son duo. Shot three under. Had a good time. Those good. are words that I have. Three, I have literally absolutely no idea. Yeah, did you get way way better at golf since that one time we played, Mike? So we had a par five and we we hit a drive into the left rough about 190 away. Pull out a six iron and put it stuck it to 12 feet. We missed the eagle putt, but it was a great shot. It was tracking. Wow. Look at you go. All right. It was, also, it, was also it was also 800 degrees, but I don't want to hear everybody. it. It's 110 today. Um, yeah, you live in the hottest place on earth. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. you choose Love to you live all. and you choose to live in the south on purpose. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible. Ability and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources.